bubonic plague, influenza, the Red Death, COVID-19. We've learned in the last year that pandemics aren't just a part of history. They're also current events. And they're also literature. Yeah, and I think also, you know, we have to remember that the, the main character of the plague is a doctor. So uh, that's, that's purposeful. And uh, we can also certainly have more sympathy for doctors and more understanding of doctors uh, by reading this novel and seeing what he himself is going through. One lucky class of students at the Missouri University of Science and Technology in Rolla is now digging in deep. Their seminar class on pandemic literature is taught by Marie Lathers. She is a professor of French and world literature at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. But this school year, she's the Maxwell C. Weiner, visiting distinguished professor in humanities at Missouri S&T. And she joins us today to tell us all about this class. Professor Marie Lathers, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sarah. So when you first envisioned this visiting professorship, did you foresee a class that would be focused on pandemic fiction? I did not. Um, I was asked to teach a course this spring, um, and when I was offered the job, it was February of last year. So, mm. And I remember uh, uh, signing the papers and the contract and everything. It was probably the week that in March when everyone you know, realized, oh my gosh, you know, places are going to shut down. This is a real pandemic. Um, So I still hadn't thought, I had already thought about teaching other courses that I've taught already, but I wanted to read pandemic literature and I thought this would be something to propose and they liked the idea. Hmm. So you said you wanted to read this yourself. I understand in this past year, like a lot of us, you've just been digging even deeper into Mm -hmm. your personal love of reading. Uh, What led you to want to read during this time? Well, I always want to read, personally. But, <laughs> I'm with you um, on that. That's kind of my, my life. But um, I do think there are, there are some very interesting parallels between reading um, and getting through a pandemic. I mean, one, you know, first of all, reading is, is typically an individual activity where you're alone with the book or, you know, with your Kindle um, or an audio book. So uh, it's something we can do in isolation, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also something that uh, can bring people together remotely. So book clubs have, have moved, many, many book clubs have moved uh, to uh, Zoom or to some other way of interacting remotely. And that can bring community to people uh, to just to talk about books. So, so we have this kind of nice bridge uh, between isolation and community um, that are that is reflected in in quite a few of the novels about pandemics that that kind of tension between the two and also the connections between them so one of those books one of the books that um, i understand you have reread um, within this past year and is also part of this course is the plague now you've taught this book in many french classes was it different reading it um, in a pandemic of our own well uh it was different and it was also the first time i read it in english um, which went quite well. I used the Robin Boost B-U-S-S translation, uh, which is very good. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I had just taught it a couple of years ago in a French class called Medical French, where students are learning about using medical vocabulary in French. So I thought that would be a good book to teach. And who knew that um, 
it would become, you know, one of the central, I think, pieces of literature of our year. Uh, I understand that many, many people are reading it, and uh, each it, it it's a very um, it's a complicated book. It's uh, got it's a book of ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a philosophical novel. So, uh, reading it over and over is a way to explore uh, things that one missed the other the other times reading it. So it has been. It's been a comfort during this time, and it's been a call to action because that's what it is. It's a call to action. So I, I want to stop you there on the comfort. I'm actually reading this book myself this week, partly in preparation for mm. this conversation. I really wanted to. Read read it again. And um, I'm kind of having the opposite reaction. It, mm. It's kind of stressing me out because it feels so close to home. It's like everything that I see in the newspaper, I'm also seeing in this book. It's a great book. I don't want to dissuade anybody from reading it. But I feel my heart rate kind of pick up as opposed to being comforted by it. Where do you find that comfort okay. in this book? Okay, yeah. I perhaps put too much emphasis on the idea of comfort from these <laughs> books. And most people, you know, react uh, the way you have. And certainly they, I mean, probably some of it in relationship to this book is just that I've read it so many times. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm used to what's coming up. But um, I think in some sense, for me at least, it's comforting to know that things like this have gone on in the past, although, you know, uh, this book is, is fiction. But uh, these things have gone on in the past, and the uh, humans have have managed, um, sometimes in good ways, sometimes in not so good ways, to deal with them. Um, but we do see reflected, I think, in Camus, uh, some of the positive things that we see going on in our society as far as fighting against the pandemic, taking care of each other, being concerned about each other, and that actually brings me some comfort, although at the, you know, at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, there are horrible things that go on, of course, uh, in the novel and in other other plague novels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You make a good case. There are people doing good and finding ways to do good, even in small ways, in ways that benefits their community. It seems like that's something we can all take something from right now. Yeah, and I think also, you know, we have to remember that the, the main character of the plague is a doctor. So uh, that's, that's purposeful. And uh, we can also certainly have more sympathy for doctors and more understanding of doctors uh, by reading this novel and seeing what he himself is going through. Hmm. What's one of the other novels that you're teaching in this course where you feel like that, that thread of comfort, uh, that, that you see that connecting to that, that book as well? Well, I don't know. Again, um, most of them are not comforting. I have managed to find one uh, very short uh, text that does have a happy ending, believe it or not. I'm not teaching it in the course, but it's by someone named Cece Alma, and it's called The Little Dog in the Big Plague. Hmm. It's uh, for young people as well as adults. Um, Otherwise, uh, uh, there is hope at the end of texts like The Plague uh, by Camus. Um, but after going through uh, terrible times, um, we just finished reading in class A Journal of the Plague Year by Daniel Defoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will recognize him as the author of Robinson Crusoe. So he, uh, this is, this is a, a kind of a cross between fiction and historical document. 
because he was basing it on the memoirs of his uncle who lived through the London plague of 1665. Hmm. Um, so in this book, we can see a lot of a lot of history, a lot of accounting of how people uh, reacted, what the city did, um, what uh, religious leaders did, and I think it. Uh, he has some hope, at least, because he keeps telling the reader, I'm telling you this so in the future you'll be more prepared for hmm. these types of things. Um, so there's a little bit there that I think we can find comfort in. Uh, but I also think just reading stories, and even though there are stories that are connected to what we're going through now, they're still different, um, mm-hmm. whether they're fiction or based on real events. It's, it's still a different story from the one we're living now. And that in itself um, is, I think, comforting for people. That's why people love stories, and that's why people read. Hmm. You make a great case there, and I feel like I need to slow down my heart and maybe enjoy the plague well, a little bit more. Um, I'm curious about the history, because some of these are based very closely on things that really happened. And then others, like the plague, um, you know, it's set in the 1940s, but there wasn't a plague that happened in that part of Algeria in the 40s. So when things are inspired by real life, um, how deep are you going into the history that underpins the fiction? Well, my course is cross-listed between English history and arts, philosophy, and languages, so I do want to do historical things in the class. Um, When we get to the plague, I'll be alerting them that uh, Camus was actually using records from a cholera plague in Algeria in the uh, in the first half, uh, I think it was in the first half of the 19th century. So there is some historical work going on there that he's seeing how the city reacted at the time uh, to that plague. Um, we're just about to start reading uh, Geraldine Brooks' uh, Year of Wonders, which is a 2001 novel that got a lot of attention back then, and a lot of people are rereading it now. It is based, it is fiction. Um, but it is based on an actual plague in a village in England uh, in 1666. Um, so, and she did, well, of course, she, she's, she does her historical research very well. And, um, you know, we get a real sense of how the plague felt like in a village at that time. It's also a terribly interesting book because, it, in fact, this village did decide the, the inhabitants self-imposed quarantine so that they would not carry the plague outside of their village to others and mm-hmm. others would not come into the village to catch it. Um, so that is, you know, that is uh, also, you know, a fictionalized uh, h- h- historical document, we could say. Um, Catherine Ann Porter, I would also encourage readers to read Pale Horse, Pale Rider, which um, she based on her own um, uh kind of struggle with getting the influenza in 1919, Hmm. uh, but it also gives us a really interesting historical look at that plague in the United States. Um, and and at, combined at the same time with the end of World War One and how people were living, um, so yeah, there's 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 a lot there for people interested in actual history, and there's a lot there for people interested in pure fiction, especially the kind of apocalyptic zombie type plague novels that are so popular. And I'm glad you mentioned that because you do have one of the novels on this list um, is about a plague of zombies, uh, which (laughs) I wouldn't think of as pandemic literature, but but this qualifies here. Yes, I had Zone One by Colson Whitehead, um, published in 2011. Um, 
this is an apocalyptic kind of zombie uh, novel. He doesn't use the term zombie. He uses the term skells, short for skeleton. Um, there's a war going on in this novel. It's uh, mostly set in New York City where these sweepers are tracking down these uh, skells who, who are, for all intents and purposes, zombies uh, who were victims of of the plague, of, of a type of plague. Um, so this kind of combination of plague literature and zombie apocalyptic literature is a, is, very, is a very fertile area. There's also World War Z by Max Brooks, um, which, is, uh, which is another novel I think reading uh, as a companion piece to Zone One is really interesting. Mm-hmm. We're talking today to Marie Lathers. She's the Maxwell C. Weinard uh, Visiting Distinguished Professor in the Humanities at Missouri S&T. And we asked our listeners um, if they had ideas for a novel set in the time of the coronavirus or Mm. books about the pandemic that sparked their imagination. David suggested on our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page, I had an idea for a short story where there's a pandemic that only kills cats and to explore all the effects that would have on the planet. I want someone to write this novel. I would read that. Yeah. Um, Anna writes on Twitter that she recently read a sci-fi novel called Doomsday Book by Connie Willis. Uh, Mm -hmm. She says this was published in 1992. Here's what Anna writes about that. The book featured time travel done by historians for research, but I didn't know going in that it was going to be about people dealing with plagues in two different places 700 years apart. The present day part of the book was set in 2054 London. It was funny to see what someone in 1992 imagined as the future of healthcare. Just like us, people wore masks and ended up in quarantine and ran low on toilet paper. In the mm-hmm. 2054 plotline, an American visitor to London complains about quarantine and events being canceled and says that in America, no one would take away your civil liberties like that. And a British <laughs> man thinks to himself, and that's why 30 million Americans died in the last pandemic. Anna mm. writes, some, some things never change, I guess. We still have groups of Americans that believe masking and other public health safeguards are government overreach. Marie, I'm curious about that and also in light of um, what you mentioned about the Defoe book, this Journal of the Plague Year, that he said he was writing this so that other people could learn from it. Going back and reading these books, do you have a sense that maybe we haven't learned anything? Oh, well, I think as as in everything, uh, you know, we, we, we're constantly relearning. Um, so That's a more uh, optimistic way to, to, uh, well, to think about that. <laughs> well, I guess this is, you know, the way I think about it. Um, I mean, if if we had you know become perfect in the past, then we wouldn't be talking about this. And certainly, we can't stop uh, nature from doing what nature does. So uh, we do tend to relearn the same lessons, of course, and we can see that in by reading plague li- plague literature that is uh, based on past events. Um, definitely, the same types of problems, uh, even going back to Giovanni Boccaccio's introduction to Day One uh, in the Decameron, where he talks about social hierarchies breaking down, people becoming extreme in their behavior, uh, you know, people no longer caring for each other because they're mm-hmm. so terrified of having the plague. So, I mean, it. Personally, I just don't have a vision that that we're ever reaching perfection. Although I think I think the best we can do, maybe this is kind of Camus' way of thinking, is to struggle each time uh, a plague. Um, and I'm using that metaphorically. Uh, each time a plague comes along, we need to do our best to struggle against it. Hmm. 
I think that's a great takeaway right there. I did want to ask you, you know, in your real life in Cleveland, you're a professor of French and world literature. And here in Rala, um, the s students are, there's a lot of scientists and there's engineers. Do you find new insights seeing these, these books that you've read for years through their eyes? Wow, that's very interesting that you would say that because actually at Case Western, uh, Case Western is a very big engineering school and STEM school. So uh, I'm kind of used uh, to that kind of student. Um, even in the French classes that are in French for French majors, often the students are, are also double majors. Um, and occasionally we, we, we even have an engineer who will do a double degree with French. So, hmm. um, and before that, I was teaching at Iowa State University, another big engineering and STEM university. So I am actually kind of used to this type uh, of student. Um, I'm trying to be sensitive, you know, I have to be sensitive to their need uh, and their desire to understand the science of hmm. this and to understand uh, the history involved. We had a guest speaker on Wednesday, a professor here in biology, Dave uh, Westenberg, who did a plague presentation and talked about uh, the plague. He talked about COVID. He talked about viruses and bacteria, um, illnesses, contagious illnesses. Um, so he gave us kind of the, the science, uh, the biology of it. Hmm. Um, but, but the students are great, and many of them are also interested in literature and writing. Um, and I'm going to have them work on a creative project at the end of the semester, imagining their own story about the plague. And, mm. and I think some of them are extremely excited about that. That's great. I hope you give one of them that idea about the cats. Um, <laughs> make that be their <laughs> plague story. Oh, my. So, Marie, in addition to this, this course you're teaching, you're also leading um, pandemic book discussions through Zoom that are open to the public. This is through the Rolla Public Library. Right. And these are once a month. Do these feature some of the same books as in the class? Yeah, I mean, it's a little mixed up, so not exactly the same. Uh, one text that we're going to be doing, well, the next text is the Catherine Ann Porter text, which I'll also be doing in class. And then the month after, in March, we're going to be reading Mario Bellatine, a Mexican uh, Peruvian author, a very short text called Beauty Salon that I would recommend to people, uh, published in 1994, which does not specifically mention AIDS, but it is definitely a novella about the AIDS crisis. Mm. Um, so that we're going to be doing with the public library. And then we're going to be ending in March with the public library with... Um, a fairly new text, and, oh gosh, I'm completely blanking on it. The End of October, sorry. It's called The End of October, and it got a lot of press when it came out uh, last spring. So uh, this is a more contemporary kind of fiction about plagues. But I also don't want to fail to mention two other texts uh, that, that people maybe don't think about as much, but that are very exciting uh, pandemic texts. One is Saramago, uh, Jose, uh, Jose Saramago, mm -hmm. the Portuguese author, uh, called Blind Blindness, which is a, a novel, a quite difficult novel um, uh, to read, but uh, about a plague of blindness, mm -hmm. so completely imaginary. And then Stuart Onan, uh, who's a contemporary American author, very popular. I'm teaching him this semester in class, A Prayer for the Dying is a novel he wrote about uh, based on, I mean, it's fiction, but based on a dysentery epidemic 
in uh, the United States shortly after the Civil War. Hmm. Um, so there's just so much, but I wanted to give a plug for those. Yeah, these are some great reading ideas, and I, I hope that people will um, take advantage of this. We'll make sure to get these books listed on our website. That's stlpublicradio.org. If Marie mentioned something that you're like, what was the name of that book? We'll make sure that we can answer that question for you. Um, and, and hopefully people can take advantage of this reading list and, and do some pandemic literature of their own. Marie, well, last you question know. for you here real quick. It just seems like it's got to be such a weird time to be in a visiting professor role. Has it been okay (laughs) being in Missouri in a pandemic? (laughs) Oh, people here are so wonderful. And uh, last fall for the first two months, people kept asking me if I'm okay. And you know, I am okay. I'm extremely happy here. Um, I've been able to make friends and we go for distance walks and hikes. The hiking around here is wonderful. So um, I also want to let people know, though, that I do have a list, an ongoing list of plague literature. If they look at the MST, um, the Missouri S&T site to find my email, I can send people, I'd be willing, of course, to send out this long list I have of plague novels and plague stories. But yes, it's been, I've had a wonderful time here. It's a weird year for everyone. It would be weird in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. It was last spring in Cleveland, um, but I'm not lonely. I don't feel isolated. and uh, thank goodness I like to read, but uh, I also <laughs> like to like to hike and walk. So that, that's helpful. Well, I'm glad you've been able to take advantage of that. And, and thank you for that kind offer on the um, reading list. We'll make sure to make that accessible through our website as oh, okay. well. So uh, Professor Marie Lathers, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Sarah. More reporting from the St. Louis on the Air team is available at stlpublicradio.org. And be sure never to miss a conversation by subscribing to our podcast. You can find St. Louis on the Air on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts on the App Store. St. Louis on the Air is produced by Evie Hempel, Lara Hamden, Emily Woodbury, and Alex Hoyer. The audio engineer is Aaron Dorr. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Fenske. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.